welcome to another episode of The Curve, hosted by your favorite Moody B. Jones, and the B stands for bitch. It's real hot in LA right now, and I cannot handle it. But what I can handle is that my guest today is probably one of my favorites ever, only because we share DNA. It is my lovely brother. Hi. What's up? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> you look so, like underwhelmed no i'm chilling i'm here i'm excited cool well we have a fun show um i never thought that our like family dynamic was weird because it was like all that i was like used to until i explained how we got to know each other and then people told me it was weird so we're gonna get into that and then dj has a pretty gnarly mixtape that he dropped and so we're going to get into that but first we're gonna hop into the news so stay tuned because it's going to be a lit show, as the kids are saying. <laughs> this week in news, we tried to keep it cute and light, but not really because the Papa John's owner is no longer the Papa John's owner because he has stepped down because he has apparently said the N-word in a conference call. This is not a proud moment for Louisville. Papa John's originated in Louisville. Is it just me, or does Papa John's Pizza taste racist? <laughs> it's, like, definitely fire pizza. Like, I'm kind of mad. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of mad that this happened. Papa John's is not good pizza. I think it's pretty good. There's too much sauce. I mean, I'm definitely not about to eat it now. But, like, cause I'm, gl- I'm glad that we're holding people accountable Pizza Hut now. is for niggas. I mean, no, I totally get that. But like, at the same time, Papa John's is, like, good from time to time. It's not... It's like White Castle. Like, I'll get it, like, once or twice a year. I'm... White Castle... Do I even have to break down how they're probably racist? I'm just saying. I'm not mad at that. But what I am mad at, actually I am mad at that, but I'm also mad at the fact that Kylie Jenner was named Forbes' youngest self-made billionaire. There's so many things wrong. There's so many things statement. wrong. How First, are you self-made if you're born into so much? Even that nigga Rob Kardashian is a millionaire. And all he did was get fat and make socks. And I just feel like they have, they have like, I'm not impressed by it. I'm not impressed by you making money when you already had money. Not at all. Especially when you climbed off the backs of black women mm-hmm. to get your culture. Also, the Kylie lip cut is the same five shades, like, over and over again mm-hmm. in different packaging. And it's the ColourPop formula, which is a shitty formula. I know you don't know a lot about lipstick, but it's shit. You know, uh, I think Forbes messed up. I think, like, people to highlight for actually being self-made, regardless of whether people want to say it or not, people like Jay-Z. Self-made. He didn't. He wasn't born into anything. Kylie Jenner kind of had an advantage in this whole race of life, so I don't know how you can label that self-made. She did self-make her daughter Stormy, who apparently is the reason why she got her lip deductions, which I don't know if it's just you or me, but it doesn't look like she still has lip fillers. A little bit, but I think it's because we're so used to seeing her with them, we kind of have this idea of what she looks like regardless. And I already think she looks different from like seeing old pictures of her before she got them, and now she still looks like way different. Yeah. Like, I think so. I mean, I'm not mad at her reasoning behind them. I do like that she realizes that she has a daughter and her daughter's going to, you know, look up to her. And if Kylie's sitting there doing all this shit to her body, then she doesn't want her daughter to feel insecure about her. 
yada, yada, yada. I'm not mad at it. I'm definitely not mad. It's probably one of the only times I've ever heard news about Kylie Jenner and, like, not shook my head in, like, disappointment. So, I'm, I was pretty proud of it. That's fair. You guys let us know what you think on Twitter at The Curve Podcast, or you can head over and sound off at okdrew.com. Up next, we're getting real sentimental, so keep listening. All right, you guys know I normally like to sound off about topics that, you know, I always feel some type of way about, but this episode I decided to get a little bit more personal and to, and also because DJ and I aren't together a lot, I figured we would have this conversation on air because why not exploit family drama? (laughs) Anyway, for those of you who don't know and are new listeners, DJ and I are brother and sister. We have the same dad. We didn't grow up together. Didn't even know each other existed for quite some time and didn't meet officially in person until 2016 when I was 24 and DJ was 20. Um, Oh, yeah, we couldn't even get in the bars when we met. That was a bummer. Struggle. Um, But, yeah, so the whole situation with our dad has always been very weird for me. I don't have a relationship with him at all at this point. You kind of got to grow up with him a little bit. Yeah. When did you learn that I existed? I was probably eight, so maybe my third grade. So how did that conversation even come about? Honestly, I don't know. I honestly think I saw a photo of you, and I was like, it's like me with the wig on. Like, it's kind of similar to your story. Yeah. Um, I saw a photo of you, know, of you when you were, you were probably like 12 or 13, um, so it was around then, and I was like, like that person looks just like me but has like long hair i was so confused i was like this is weird and we looked like identical like exactly the same so that's when my mom just straight up explained to me like yeah you have a half sister her name's ashley and uh she lives in louisville kentucky and that's like really all i knew i didn't know if i'd ever get to meet you or anything that was just that was it yeah that was a similar i mean i've obviously told you before it was fairly similar i came across a picture of you when I was at my Nana's, and we were just looking through photos, and I'm like, well, this is clearly not me, but it looks significantly <laughs> like me, and she was the one to break it down, and my mom didn't even necessarily talk about it for a while, probably one to two years later after that, but I remember I took the picture, and I like went to school with it, and I like, showed my friends, and I was like, look, I have a brother, because all my other siblings are white, mm-hmm. which I love them, mm-hmm. has nothing to do, but I'm just saying, I've never, I've always been the one who never looked like anybody in my family, and Same then here. I came across you, and we actually look freakishly alike, and it was a lot to take in. Um, why did you, why do you think it took so long for us to connect? I just think there's so much it's like it's kind of dramatic like it's like this is kind of controversial for us to have a relationship because the way that uh we both well i mean i guess the way that i came into existence is a little bit more taboo um so it's kind of cloudy i don't think anyone has a definitive answer on how (laughs) everyone has their own version of the timeline of your parent your mom and our dad getting together and my mother and yeah. So that's that's so. it's a little shaky. So I think that's honestly why it took so long. Um, and it wasn't. I think it wasn't in our hands. Yeah. Like it was. 
you know, our parents. So it wasn't, we had no con- yeah. real control because we were kids. I always felt like I was walking out of eggshells <laughs> if I brought you up because I felt like I was insulting my mom by wanting to get to know you. Yeah. And I also was always afraid that because of how our parents were that your mom wouldn't want you around me. Mm-hmm. I always thought that it would be like, you know how Darren obviously lives in New York and, you know, our family's in New York and we have hella cousins. Mm -hmm. I honestly thought it was going to be like that. Like, I've never met almost any, I've never met any of the cousins. Really? From up there. I've never met any of them. So I've never met Charles' kids. I've never met any of them. So I thought it was going to be like that where I I was just like, oh, there's just another family member I'm not going to get to meet. It was weird because I was around our cousins growing up. around everybody that often and not know that you existed that's crazy was wild to me because it felt like everyone was keeping a secret and then even once I found out everyone was still very like hush hush on you and Mm -hmm. I was just like so confused by the situation and that's weird because we're even closer related than you are with them yeah like we share like we share DNA yeah that's crazy do you feel like when did you feel like you would possibly be, like, betraying your mom by, like... Not really, because she never really made it seem like... Um, I didn't really know the extent of... I mean, at the time that we would talk about this, you know, I was, like, 8, 9, yeah, 10. So, so I she would never really go into detail about what happened or how everything went down. Um, so I didn't really... I didn't feel like I had to, you know, tiptoe around anything. Um but now, if I were to, you know, talk about, if I were to bring any of those things up, yeah, it'd be a little, but now she knows, like, we're, like, the same person. We connect on a lot of levels. We have a yeah. good relationship now. I'm obviously here in L.A. visiting you. That is true. So, yeah, I think now it's, you know. Did you think our relationship was going to be good? Like, did you think oh, we would do Oh, I that? honestly, Facebook was, like, the, the, the confirmation. Yeah. Like, the second we started clicking just about politics, because this was, like, I was probably 18 or 19. This is when I started to come into my own yeah, as a very, person. You were very vocal. This is when I was just, I mean, I had just started art school, mm-hmm. of all things, when, like, um, Michael Brown got shot. So, like, I was at, you know, my pure, like, ugh, anxious about everything. And when I saw that you were just like that and we were related and, you know, all these things, I was like, oh, there's there's no doubt about it. Like, we're going to have a good relationship regardless. I'm not going to lie. I was really nervous the first time meeting you. Even though, like, we had talked on Facebook and stuff. It's just, like, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. Like... It's very weird. Especially because I'm so close with my other siblings, like, closer, like, I, people always comment on how weird it is of, like, how well we all get along. Mm -hmm. And so, but we, and we do everything together. And we all have, like, mutual friends and, you know, but we've also spent our entire lives together. So I was always nervous that, like, I, in the back of my head, was going to compare relationship with my other siblings relationship and that and like it's impossible for it to be on the same level exactly it's the same with me i i I also for the record i have two uh older brothers from my mom's uh previous marriage and it's the same thing it's like i i grew up with them in my life all the time so i knew it wasn't going to be the same but um i was glad it wasn't going to be the same because it doesn't need to you know it doesn't need to match or anything like we have our relationship and i have mine with them so how do you think, uh, obviously we, I mean, you kind of grew up with our dad. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Do you see, like, how do you, how do you growing up around him, like, 
how does that affect you or like your relationship with other people? Because obviously, like, there's the I know for a fact that I have daddy issues. Oh yeah, no, I definitely do too. Um, ultimately, most of my friends through throughout high school, um, even you know when we met, I was doing that residency in New York uh, for a semester in college. All the friends I made in that dorm room were women. Um, so I just naturally started to trust women more because even though Darren was in my life like in and out for a lot of years, I still was 24-7 with my mom. I, I saw her, you know, bust her ass to, you know, work two jobs like 12 hours a day to, you know, just put food on the table and roof over my head. So like I naturally just trusted women more. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that's like the biggest impact. Like I naturally like I'm so much more comfortable talking to women like anywhere than I am men. And yeah. I actually kind of like that because women, I mean, I think are like key to society. So <laughs> I, I, I think it's a good thing to be able to naturally talk to them. And that's what not having our dad in, in my life uh, did. For me, I didn't have him around at all. I actually didn't meet him till I was 19 and that was... That amazes me. Yeah. I really didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't meet him till I was 19. Uh, my mom was not happy about it, rightfully so. She had, you know, she had legitimate reasons for why she chose to separate me from that situation, and I respect it. Um, but I think I like, for the most part, I feel like the daddy issues I have with him aren't like. I, it's not like I need male attention. I was really lucky with in the stepdad department, like who yeah. ended up being in my life very early on. Like, Same here easily the best dad I could have ever asked for. So I don't think I have, like, the, you know, sleep with everyone to find yeah. comfort. But I think I'm very, I get very emotionally detached very easy. True. Like you said I attached? Detached. Oh, I'm, like, the opposite. No, I... That's, that's actually really weird. We were kind of talking about this the other day. Yeah. You get attached to people very easily. I don't. That's so weird. I'm not, like, I'm not a big dater. I'm not... I mean, like, I am invested in friends and stuff like that, but when I lose friendships, or, like, you know, high school or whatever, when you age out and stuff, I don't really get too upset about that. Damn. My first year out of, like, high school, I was just, like, so sad that I was like, oh, those were my best years. Like, I was so sad about it. I have, like, I get, like, I'm cool with people. It's, like, separation anxiety from, like, situations and, like, times of life and stuff. Yeah. So I get super attached to, like, everything. No, I get very, um, I can go months without talking to people. Damn, I can't. I wish I could. I would be such a more dynamic person if I could. I probably, I don't know. I, like, I think I'm too anti-social is my point. Because I feel like. Nah, there's no way. In, like, the three days I've been here, just seeing but, like, different that, But things. those are making conscious choices to be social. Like, and that's uh, me that's forcing true. myself to be social because you're here. But in my day-to-day, like, I, d- I would rather be alone 24 7 like I have such low expectations of people that is true it's hard to trust people and it's not even necessarily a trust thing though it's really just me being like I'm good I'm good <laughs> I feel I feel that we're in a time of a lot of bled people very true um so even though we didn't have the most ideal uh situation with our dad or the most ideal situation us not growing up how like what are some qualities of our siblingship that you enjoy well definitely that 
I feel like we are, we're on this constant like social media dialogue anytime we talk about anything. So anything we talk about could be turned into like a tweet or like a just a thread on something. Like I don't know. It just always feels relevant. Always feels like we're like nonstop updating on news, whether it be like pop culture or politics and. Those are like the things that I mostly like enjoy and that like stimulate my existence. So it's like good to be able to talk to them or talk about them with somebody. I like that we're both creative. Yes. Because my siblings aren't, they're creative in like a natural sense, but they're not creative as far as like what their careers are. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really refreshing to be able to talk to you when I have some sort of something going on. Because even though we're not in the same realm of our creative, our creativity, you can still appreciate the come up. Oh, for sure. The hustle. The grind. Um, if you could turn back time and we could grow up together, but it's not guaranteed that we'd have the relationship that we have now or just choose to meet the way we did, which one would you choose? Um, I, I thought about that because it's actually kind of similar except for like getting to have Darren in and out of my life in the beginning it's kind of similar to my relationship with Darren now like the last time I had seen him before recently I was like 14 so we could connect on some things but like I wasn't a man yet I didn't understand a lot of things when I you know hung out with him when I was 20 we kind of formed the new adult relationship that I like much rather cherish and I think it's kind of the same thing with you me meeting you when I was 20 like politically it was 2016 there was a lot going on music there was a lot going on like there was just naturally a lot for us to bond over and i think i was like if i had been 16 i think it would have been a lot different but i'm 20 you know i or i was 20 and i understood you know what was going on at the time so i think i actually you know prefer that it happened the way it happened i think so too yeah because i think I think we would have probably argued if we met when we were younger. That's what I was thinking. Because we weren't, we weren't who we are now, like, at all. And we weren't in the same... I was thinking about that, too, because with my siblings, we fight hard. Like, my mom, like, my other siblings, like, we fight really hard. But we have our parents, and we have, like, holidays to, like, force us to work shit out. Exactly. And we have each other to force us to work shit out. But you and I are the only connection, like... It's not like we spend Christmas together. It's not exactly. like we spend Thanksgiving together. You know, it's not like either of us listen to our dad. So, <laughs> exactly. you know, had we grown up together and fought and shit, it would have e- easily been able to be turn that switch off and not look back. Yeah, as I say, if, if we met in 2008, like, I don't think... Yeah, I was a shithead in 2008. I was, like, I'm thinking about me when I was 12. Like, no, I don't think... I don't know who I was when I was 12. Like, I, you know... Yeah. I was, yeah, that's a lot. So, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out how it did. I'm glad, too. Have you had fun while you were here? I've had a blast. I'm, like, seriously, like, renegotiating my whole life plan to kind of move out here in a couple of years because it's, I think it's kind of the place to be for what I want to do, so. Let's get into that. Okay, so you are just saying, you know, that you can do a lot of, like, what you've been wanting to do out here in L.A., and you recently released a mixtape called Boy If You Don't, which, I mean, like, I'm on, but that's not why I like it. I genuinely enjoy the mixtape. What inspired you to do Boy If You Don't? Um, my, I went to art school, for those who obviously don't know, and my freshman year, I met a guy named Derek Dankwa, and uh, every fall, 
of like the school year the seniors have to do a senior winter expo and he was a drawing major but he decided to do his on music so he made a mixtape um, performed at the school and that was the first time I'd ever seen anyone rap in person and from then on I was like that switched my whole perception of hip-hop from a consumer to like a producer like I wanted to make things and I wanted to be a part of it um, and ever th since then I think it slowly started to build up that I wanted to make my senior thesis be on music so yeah so what um, what is the theme would you say of Boy If You Go? The theme is like urgency because um, like although it's like a funny phrase like boy if you don't like you can say it in so many different ways it's still like like boy if you don't like start doing all these things and making all these moves like life is going to kind of pass you up and you're not going to you know get get to do what you want to do so it's really just like a call to action for me to like get my shit together and really start to chase my dreams I feel it. I've been so I've never asked you this but I was so curious you started the mixtape mixtape out with a voicemail I left you Yes. Which was so cool, but yes. why? First of all, I sounds horrible in that voicemail. No, why did no. You decide? It was perfect because basically with what I want to do with like kind of every project that I plan on doing ever, um, I view a body of music kind of like a movie, and each song is like a movie poster. So it's essentially like a, a giant story, and for this particular story, I, I not only wanted that urgency, but I wanted to tell people what was going on in my life. Um, and I had planned, I had started planning this mixtape in September and it didn't come out until April of 2018. Yeah. So I had had the concept down and everything. And then in December, uh, my like girlfriend of about a year broke up with me. And that was just like I remember. huge downfall. And that night was when you left me that voicemail. And that was like, at the time, that was like the only ray of like positivity that I had felt and so because i honestly like i had never had a long or a long relationship before yeah and that was my first real one i was like in love and i was like yo like she's the one and those are hard and and then she ended it and i was just like damn and that was just my whole world crashed and you left me that voicemail and it just stuck and i was like anytime i get a voicemail that i like i'm gonna keep just in case like it seems to be relevant in music later on and it happened to be i wanted to start the mixtape off like this is what happened like you could because I know the context of it because it happened with me mm -hmm. but it's basically you hear from an outside perspective you just hear a woman telling someone hey like it's me I know there's a lot going on right now but I just want you to know I love you and like I'm here for you it and felt then, very Drake yeah and then as soon as that hangs up I just go in rapping because it, that personally showed me this whole the whole experience I had after she broke up with me truly showed me how many people cared about me in my life whether it be my friends my family and you were one of the per first people to chime in and be like look i'm here i care um and that was the moment that showed me like yo i have a team behind me like i can chase my dreams and like i have a support team and so that was the way i wanted to start everything off and so the first song was called set it off and that was how i started it off i feel like my heart just exploded a little <laughs> bit um what are some of your hip-hop influences my biggest one has uh, always been my favorite rapper of all time is Eminem. Um, Which I'm still low-key. You explained it to me <laughs> and I get it, but when you told me that the other night, I was like, wait, what? A lot of people are because I personally don't know a lot of black people who listen to Eminem in general. Um, I know that there are black Eminem fans. I'm not saying there's not. It's just when you picture your Eminem fan, is usually like a white boy named Brad or something like that. You know, it's just like that. Um, and that's not a bad thing. That's just they relate to him. 
I think people always discredit Eminem for having a white fan base, but like you listen to whoever you relate to most. Mm-hmm. White boys relate to other white boys. It's just why like Post that. Malone's making so much money. Right exactly. Now. A lot of white people relate to Post Malone. It's the same thing. Um, but when I was like three, and I will forever remember this, uh, the Chronic 2001 by Dr. Dre had just come out. And Eminem was, like, kind of all over that project. And I remember we were on a Florida family vacation, and I saw the music video, and I saw this blonde white dude just, like, rapping super fast. And I was like, his voice was all high-pitched, and I was just like, he's so different. Like, he's like a cartoon character. And ever since then, I've just, like, followed his career. Like, young, like kindergarten, listening to Eminem, like, explicit lyrics, like, cussing in kindergarten. Like, and ever since then, he's just been the biggest, like, one out of everybody. So yeah. That's fair. It's interesting. It's yeah, it's definitely interesting. It just I always felt different and I knew he was different in terms of hip hop because I knew, you know, rappers didn't look like that. Yeah. Um and I just I personally felt I didn't I mean shit, I didn't even know I was biracial until I was like eight. I didn't know what that meant. Really? So I, I always felt like I was just me. Like I didn't know what I was. I knew my mom was white, I knew my dad was black. But oh, okay. I didn't okay. put two, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't put two and two together of what that meant. Got you. You know what I mean? I was, for a second, I was like, wait, what? But well, now that makes perfect sense. I thought, you know, white moms could just have, you know, children yeah. with this skin tone. So, yeah, me my identity confusion, I kind of related to someone like Eminem, oddly enough. Do you feel like you found, because I feel like for a lot of biracial people, they either try to overcompensate their blackness or they try to completely, like, ignore it. Do you feel like you were able to kind of find an identity through hip-hop? Oh, for sure. Hip-hop is, like, my... If it weren't for hip-hop, I don't think I'd still be alive. Like, not to be dramatic, but, like, it's just... I often just think about how, like, lucky I am to have stumbled upon it because it's just something so freeing and something, like, no one could ever take like regardless like you could wipe out all hip-hop music and you can still be banging on the hoods of cars you could still be rapping like you can never erase the imprint that hip-hop has done in just the last 40 plus years um and so i don't know i've just i don't think i ever had to overcompensate i definitely thought i was nervous around like black kids always called me white boy because i because i skateboarded i talk you know i speak like how i speak um I never really tried to talk like anyone else just because, like, I just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I talked like my mom. My mom talks like this. Yeah. Um, and she was the person I was around the most. So, yeah, I was always called white boy because I skateboarded. I would listen to, like, Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, stuff like that. And then when I would be around white kids, like, as I got older, I was, like, the token black kid. And they thought it was funny to say nigga and, you know, all that type of stuff. Yeah. And it's, like, I don't think people understand the true insane dynamic of being biracial because like you're too black for the white kids and you're too white for the black kids and you don't like you're either one or the other and it's you're never good enough i definitely agree with the token black friend thing as far as like when i was surrounded by mostly white people i never had the weird like not black enough situation and i was very much like i listened (laughs) to like but i also think that's because of where you're more south than i True. And I think that that's just naturally, like, the population of black people that you're surrounded with is, like, way more than that, I'm in Ohio, where it's, like, not as... Cincinnati alone is not as racially mixed. Like, there's just, like, pockets of black yeah, people. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I was going to say, because I definitely wasn't... I mean, I listened to, like, Death Cab for Cutie. Yeah. And, like, I 
straight I think we, we all, yeah. And we partied all had it, that. like, very far over and shopped it, like, Hot Topic and... No, I remember I remember my jackass and Bam Margera phase. Oh my God, I was yeah. on it. Yeah. It was so 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 when do you um do you feel like you get un- like did you feel uncomfortable in your like blackness growing up and when did you feel comfortable with that and what do you think attributed to you finally feeling comfortable in that? Um I don't know. I honestly I didn't really start thinking about what my blackness meant until I went to art school um, when I was 18 slash 19. And I only think I started to think about it because art in, in general, you know, you have to read into art theory and you have to read into like existence and what it means. And, and I think being a minority within a minority like group of people who have chosen to go to art school, mm-hmm. um, you especially start to focus on that. So growing up, I, I didn't really pay attention to it. I kind of just like I was DJ like I didn't break it down to whether I was black or white mm-hmm. until you know you'd start to get a little older and kids make you know black jokes but like yeah you're like all right is that a joke or are you trying to be racist like um so I really think I started to investigate it when I was like at art school and kind of like whoa like that's so wild yeah because I feel like you said I live deeper in the south so it's a little bit different I feel like I was very hyper aware of being black really early on and was consistently just trying to move through the crowd like mm-hmm. in a le- like in a tangible like way like black way so that people would like be okay being around me like I was never too black around the white kids mm-hmm. and I was just black enough for the black kids but I also was constantly aware that I was walking down the line that had both sides on it Oh, don't get me wrong like looking back I definitely like reanalyze some situations I'm like oh wow that was like messed up yeah but like growing up I didn't see it because I was just like yeah. I'm just me like I don't I, I don't was, see race I was really lucky in like elementary school and even like middle school because the school that my mom sent us to she like worked nighttime as a janitor so she could afford to send us there mm-hmm. but it was very diverse and culturally accepting and very like celebratory of everyone's races and backgrounds and stuff so I never felt weird about being biracial I felt like if anything I was super celebrated for being biracial but then like high school hit and I also was just very aware of it then um what are what's your next project I kind of have a few things I'm kind of trying to decide what the next statement is um like I said, I kind of break it into like a, it's like a movie or something. It's kind of like a script. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want it to be like from when I graduated college this May to like September. And so I want it to drop in December. Um, I want it to be called By Appointment Only. Um, and I kind of want it to represent like in the summertime, I tend to isolate myself and kind of just do me and kind of focus on self-care and kind of just getting my brain back to normal after like eight months of school or eight months of nonstop work or whatever. Um, and so it starts to feel like people, you know, tend to hang out with you by appointment only. And it's like, you get busy, you know, you're all working, you don't always have time to hang out. So it ends up being by appointment only. So that's kind of the direction I'm going in. I dig it. Um, what are you doing outside of music? I'm honestly, now that I've had this, uh, you know, couple day trip to LA and seen, you know, amazing art at LACMA and at the Beyond the Streets show, 
Um, I'm really motivated, so I kind of want to get back and work on a lot of paintings and try to start you know, building series and just nonstop making stuff. I just got like my studio kind of, you know, fixed in my apartment. So now it's like ready for me to be able to paint in. So yeah, now I'm kind of just trying to start to crank out a bunch of paintings every week. I dig it. I'm excited. Good shit. Yeah. I'm awake. Stop dabbing. I'm awake. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on the show, being vulnerable, talking about our fucked up family situation that ended up being kind of good. We're going to have a movie. Don't worry. It'll come out. I'm going to... I want to say Queen Latifah's going to play me, but she's older. Directed by Spike Lee. Definitely. No. I want... Spike Jones. That'd be sick. I want Ava. Alright, fine. Ava will give it the, like, the heartstring pull. Alright. You know? I'm down. Okay. We'll talk about it. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming on the show and chit-chatting with me and for coming to visit me. It was really nice. No problem. You're the second sibling to come visit me. Hey. So, I'm glad to the I rest of you, if you're listening, you're not a, you're... Get on it. It's it really together. fun. It's worth it. Her cat is amazing. True. Shout out to Dolly. Hey. Um, where can people find you if they want to check out your mixtape or if they just want to like check out your art or your life or see how similar we look? <laughs> True. Uh, I have a couple of things. On Instagram, I'm era.gathers. It's E-R-U-H dot G-A-T-H-E-R-S. And I have a website that is era studio, E-R-U-H studio uh, dot format dot com. And then on SoundCloud, you can uh, search ERA, E-R-U-H, and then the project, boy, if you don't, should be right on the page. Hey, dope. Yeah. And you already know that if you're listening to this, you probably know where to find me at OK Drew J on all social media. Um, be sure to check out OKDrewJ.com. I will be posting a lot of behind-the-scenes footage from Comic-Con. It's going to be great. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week. I will see you later.